Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome in, everybody, to another episode of our mega recruiting podcast here future brew on mazenbrew.com uh I, I say that kind of sarcastically because it's been <laughs> kind of a slower little bit of uh a time here for recruiting but football is uh is kicking into full swing so we're gonna have official visitors left and right we're gonna have uh a lot of stuff going on once the non-conference schedule kind of wraps up and we get the penn state game we get the Michigan State game. We're going to get a lot of kids to come in for those weeks. Um, and I would imagine that there will probably be some uh, this weekend, uh, probably a little bit more the following weekend for Maryland. Uh, but once October hits, I think we'll have a little bit more for myself to talk about with my co-host here uh, that I will introduce to you all now, Seth Barry, our recruiting contributor at mazabrew.com. Seth, how are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing pretty well. Um, good to be on the show again tonight. And yeah, I, I agree as I think as we get going, you know, once we get in October and Michigan, you know, they start hosting Penn State and, and the Michigan State games, obviously there's recruits that are lined up for that and official visitors that'll that'll be there for those nights. So we'll we'll get into more of the full swing of things, I think, as the season goes. But it is, it is tough with these, you know, these out of conference games and they have, you know, small, small lists of visitors that have that have obviously um, visited several times now. So, um, so yeah, we're kind of into, into that stage of it right now, but yeah, I, th- I think as the season picks up, we'll, uh, we'll definitely see, see the heat um, start to, you know, start to flow a little bit um, for the, for the recruiting world. Yeah, I think so too. And, and don't get me wrong. I mean, there were, there were a few kids on campus this past weekend 
uh, we've just talked about them a lot. And I really don't want to talk about Jaden Davis uh, seeing J.J. McCarthy win the starting quarterback job. And obviously, it's very important. We all know how big it is for him to visit for a third time uh, in a calendar year. He'll probably visit again. We'll give you that news on maizeandbrew.com and future brew when and if that happens. Uh, but there was no commitment, nothing like that. Uh, so we're going to kind of let that be for now. And obviously good news, but uh, we're going to kind of switch it up a little bit tonight. And we're this is all going to tie into Michigan because uh, I don't know if you guys noticed the first two weeks of the college football season, but there are a couple particular schools that have not been doing super well that preseason were predicted to do fairly well. One was a top five team in the preseason, that's Notre Dame, and the other had been projected to do much better this season than they did last year. They were kind of uh, the underdogs in pretty much every game last year, but still managed to cover, and uh, that was the Nebraska Cornhuskers, and it's no secret that they're both off to rough starts to begin the 2022 season. Notre Dame has yet to win a game and are coming off an upset loss at home to Marshall. Just lost their starting quarterback, Tyler Buckner, for the season. So uh, I don't know about you, Seth, but I don't expect them to be very competitive uh, at all, really, uh, for the remainder of the season. And then Nebraska also coming off a home loss uh, of the upset variety. Uh, to Georgia Southern, and that performance was so bad that the Cornhuskers athletic department had seen enough and fired Scott Frost after a one and two start to begin the season could have been zero and three, very much so. So with all of this happening uh, this past weekend, Scott Frost got fired on Sunday. Those two losses happened on Saturday. Now that that's all unfolded, Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines have a prime opportunity to take advantage and reach out to some of the players committed to those two schools. So Seth and I are going to go through these classes a little bit tonight. There's really only one at the moment that uh, has been confirmed, at least uh, from the Nebraska side of things that Michigan has reached out to. So Seth, let's start with the prospect committed to the Nebraska Cornhuskers for the time being. Um, and that is three-star linebacker Hayden Moore. He stands 6'3". He weighs 210 pounds. He is from Aurora, Colorado. He is not a highly regarded or ranked prospect. He is number 1,072 overall on the composite, but that probably wouldn't scare off George Hilo or Michigan. They just took a linebacker in the last class that was around the 1,000 mark in Deuce Spurlock, so I don't think that really plays a factor here. Uh, He's been committed to Nebraska since June, holds other offers from Michigan, obviously, but also Wisconsin, Iowa, Iowa State, Colorado, uh, UCLA, Texas Tech, several others. So he's got some pretty good uh, power five programs offering him a scholarship despite that low ranking. George Hilo and Michigan offered him back in May. He has yet to visit Ann Arbor in person just because uh, he committed shortly thereafter getting that Michigan offer. So uh, I I think if anything were to develop here, he would have to take a visit first. Um, But uh, as I said, this is a guy Hilo liked enough to extend an offer to before that Nebraska commitment. 
Uh, Seth, according to 24-7 Sports, Michigan has already reached out to him uh, following the firing of Scott Frost, uh, as has Wisconsin. So those two Big Ten teams uh, reached right out to him. And uh, that's kind of telling to me that on Sunday, a guy gets fired and Michigan immediately picks up the phone and dials him up uh, just to kind of gauge the interest. Uh, But he told 24-7 Sports that he admitted it's too early in the process to know if he will take other visits at the moment. So he is firmly committed to Nebraska for right now. Uh, He is taking a trip to Lincoln this weekend to kind of get a feel on the situation and what the plan is moving forward as far as a full-time head coach. I believe the interim head coach at the moment is the wide receivers coach. So that probably won't play too big of an impact on him staying in the class. Uh, At the very least, like I said, I commend Michigan for picking up the phone, calling him up, uh, and uh, for a prospect especially, Seth, that uh, they had really liked before he committed to Nebraska. What are your thoughts on all of this unfolding uh, with Hayden Moore? I mean, I I thought it was obviously – it was telling that they, you know, they did pick up the phone and and reach out to him. Um, considering the situation, um, I, I think it's obviously a smart move when you, you know, you recruit a guy and he he commits to a place like Nebraska and you get the head coach fired. There's there, there's two different things I think. And we'll before we get talking into the the Notre Dame guys, um, when you know we're talking about two programs here, Nebraska and Notre Dame that are both struggling and both off to to very rough starts. But it's it's a totally different ballpark when you're when the head coach gets fired right um you kind of you know you commit to the head coach and obviously the, the positional coaches play a, a huge role in it as well but when you know when the head coach gets fired of of the school you're committing to I mean you're you're talking about a, a, a potential culture shift there um you know you're you've committed to a school to where you thought it was going to be one thing and then depending on which direction they go it could be totally a totally new you know setup and in, in terms of what they have in their program so Obviously, you know, just a really smart move by Michigan to at least gauge his interest going forward. Like you said, I agree that it'll be um, it'll be telling if they can get him to Ann Arbor to get a visit out of him. Uh, but but early on, obviously, just just a really good move by by the coaching staff to kind of reach out to him and gauge his, you know, kind of where he's at. And, you know, Wisconsin obviously obviously did the same. But um, yeah, it'll be something to keep an eye on going forward. But but yeah, I, I just th- that point of. I think, you know, kind of, kind of the, the, the potential culture shift and and what could happen at Nebraska is such a, you know, for, for commits in that class right now for Nebraska, it's, it's like, oh man, like there's going to be a lot of, a lot of guys that, that get reached out to, I think uh, there, depending on what happens going forward, but yeah, good move here by Michigan for sure. I think. Yeah. It's, it's so difficult. Like you said, for a kid to be committed to a program and have that happen just three games into the regular season. It's, it's really challenging. And I I'm sure it's, it's tough for all parties involved. It's tough for the program. It's tough for the, the kids that had pledged their commitment to the program. I mean, it's just rough anywhere you look here. So yeah, you're right. It's more than likely going to play out to where a lot of these kids that are committed, they will get reached out to a lot of these kids I would imagine will at the very least think about their other options. Now, perhaps there are some Nebraska lifers that really just want to stick it out and want to be involved with 
whoever the coach is. I, I know that I've seen quotes from commits uh, when this kind of happens to their program to where they say, well, I'm committed to the school, not to the head coach. So it, it really depends on the kid, but I would anticipate there being a, a flurry of decommitments at some point. And Hayden Moore certainly could be one of them. It doesn't really seem like he's completely locked in. And I saw a quote in a previous story from him uh, after he committed to Nebraska that he said that he wanted to be a part of uh, pretty much not the rebuild, uh, but uh, he wanted to be a part of the change that was going on at Nebraska. And he wanted to be uh, someone that is able to find success at Nebraska and kind of turn around for them. So I, I don't really anticipate him being a part of uh, a rebuild because uh, you would imagine that that's probably what's coming at Nebraska. So just a tough situation, uh, but I do commend Michigan and Wisconsin for that matter for reaching out to him. Uh, if they really, really liked him before he committed, uh, it's good to just gauge the interest and see where uh, his interest lies um, moving forward. Now let's get to the Notre Dame side of things here, Seth. It really shouldn't be a surprise to hear us talk about more Notre Dame prospects than Nebraska, uh, just because Notre Dame, A, has a lot more highly ranked, highly regarded kids, but B, uh, Michigan and Notre Dame seemingly are in recruiting battles left and right every single cycle. You could go up and down the depth chart on both teams, and you could say, yep, he was considering Michigan and Notre Dame. Yep, he was leaning one way or over the other before committing to this school. So this 23 cycle uh, has seen the Irish win a lot of these recruiting battles, uh, to put it nicely. So let's chat about three guys uh, who are committed to Notre Dame right now that should be at the top of the list to reach out to. Right off the bat, the first guy that popped into my mind, Seth, is four-star offensive lineman Charles Jagusa. Top 50 guy. He projects to a tackle position, whether it be left or right, at the next level. It's something Michigan needs in this class. He's 6'6", 308 pounds. He's from the state of Illinois, which is significant because Sharon Moore, the offensive line coach and co-offensive coordinator for Michigan, that's his main recruiting ground. He ha has helped get a lot of guys from the state of Illinois. So that could help uh, Michigan in reestablishing contact here. Uh, he's number 44 overall in the composite. So like I said, top 50 guy, number four offensive tackle in the country, committed to Notre Dame back in June. And he visited Michigan just a week and a half or so before committing to Notre Dame. So he has been uh, on campus once before. Now, Seth, we've talked about the struggle it's been at offensive line for Michigan this cycle, so we don't have to dive too deep into that today. But Charles Jagusa, at the very least, in my opinion, should be the first guy they pick up the phone and dial for when it comes to a Notre Dame commit. This dude is a massive major talent at the tackle position in this recruiting cycle, and it's something that Michigan needs moving forward here. I think with with these guys we're going to talk about here, there's there's at least some type of maybe not tie, but uh, you know when you have you're talking about an assistant coach that have that has recruited the area well, um, you know when you're talking about Jagusa. So you know with all three of these guys we're talking about at least have some type of tie or ba basically to where there's some type of hope that Michigan would be able to to eventually flip um, at least one of these prospects. So I think when we're we're looking at that, at that part of it, that's good news there. Um, for Jagusa, that was, 
you know, I remember writing about him in, you know, recruiting roundups multiple times and uh, you would, you know, if it weren't for, I mean, he spoke so highly of Michigan and it's like, man, if, if you just, if you just looked at that, you would say, oh, this guy's going to Michigan. But obviously, you know, with, with Notre Dame in the mix, it, it never felt like Notre Dame was, was um, not the leader in that, um, in that scenario. So, but he was always complimentary of Michigan and, and his visits. And like I said, he was, he visited, he was there a week and a half before he committed to Notre Dame. So, I mean, it, it kind of felt like one of those things to where, Michigan was always on the outside looking in, but if, if anything weird were to happen, like he could, you know, he could come back and, and give it a second look. So, and, and obviously as a, you know, as a competitor, as a, you know, kind of an elite recruit like Jagusta is, um, you know, you're, you're talking about a competitor that, that wants to win, that's going to, you know, that probably wants to go to school to, to compete for championships. And, and if Notre Dame ends up being in a position where um, they're not doing that, then, yeah, I think all these guys would, you know, would, would maybe take a second look at not that, you know, obviously next year could be totally different and Freeman is building his culture and his style and what he wants to do there. But uh, whenever you get off to this bad of a start and then you, you know, you throw in, you know, the, the starting quarterback getting injured and all, all these things, um, you know, maybe recruits look at this and say, Hey, you know, this, maybe this isn't going the direction we want it to go. And then, you know, you have schools like Michigan come in and a guy like Chagusa, a guy that really liked the program, really likes the, you know, the campus and has made good connections with the coaches um, come in and say, Hey, you know, maybe let's give it a second look. So, so yeah. um, And I, just Chagusa as a prospect, just watching his film. I mean, he's, he's always one that, that stood out to me. Um, you know, just watching him and, and his different abilities and, and traits that he has. So that would, it would definitely be an excitement and an exciting time if they were able to, uh, to get that flip. So. Yeah, totally agreed. And I do agree with you with that last part that you just said about his game changing talent and how he really stood out. I agree. He really stood out to me too. When looking at the guys that they were recruiting at the very beginning of this recruiting cycle, in my opinion, and I know it's the opinion of a lot of guys, but Caden Proctor is probably the best offensive lineman in this 23 class. But Charles Jagusa could very well be number two. And he's at a prime position that Michigan needs. He could play left or right tackle at the collegiate level. And it's really something that Michigan needs in this class. They've got a very good offensive line class so far, but they only have a couple guys. They've got Evan Link. Uh, another four-star offensive lineman uh, that's probably going to play left or right tackle. And uh, obviously the in-state talent that they have committed, uh, Amir Herring, uh, but he projects to the inside. He's probably going to be the center of the class. So they really need another guy here uh, for tackle, and they do need another guard as well. But yeah, Jagusa brings a lot to the table, and I think he would be a a very great complement to what they have with Evan Link. Uh, at the tackle spot already. Let's shift gears here. For these last two guys, we're going to flip over to the defensive side of the ball. Let's begin with another obvious name. Uh, if you are a uh, an avid recruiting uh, aficionado like myself or Seth or John, and uh, this is four-star linebacker Jaden Osbury. He is a uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana native. He's number 141 overall on the composite in the 23 class. He's 6'1", 210, and he would be exactly the type of linebacker that Michigan needs uh, to pair up 
with four-star Samaj Bridgman. They've kind of struggled with this linebacker position too, following the decommitment of Raylan Wilson. Uh, at the time that he decommitted, they didn't have a single linebacker. And they picked up Samaj Bridgman uh, back over the summer. So uh, they definitely need someone else to pair up with him at the linebacker position. So uh, Osbury, flipping back to him, he has also visited Michigan. He officially visited back on June 24th. Uh, so he is familiar with what Ann Arbor has to offer, just like Jagusa is. But if you want to flip a guy, typically you got to get him back on campus and he would have to pay for his own trip uh, to come up to Michigan all the way from Louisiana. So I think it'd be pretty telling if uh, if he took a trip unofficially uh, up to Michigan, uh, having been committed to Notre Dame uh, for so long, Seth. I think it would be a little bit tougher than uh, Charles Jagusa, but I mean, anything's possible. And at the very least, you just gauge the interest and see what's going on. But um, uh, how do you feel about uh, this prospect? Uh, do you think that this is someone that they should reach out to? And and what do you think the likelihood is that uh, that they would at least receive mutual interest here? I mean, I, I think it's interesting with, um, you know, I was talking about the different the different ties and the assistant coaches. And obviously, whenever you speak of the Louisiana, Louisiana area, um, you know, you think about Ron Bellamy and, and the, the past success he's he's been able to have with with, um, you know, with his ties and, and the Louisiana recruits in the past. So. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, I was reading one thing that that said, um, you know, Osbury could could be the most likely of the bunch, you know, in the end of it to. uh to, to end up flipping. So, I mean, you can take that for what it's worth. You can, you know, obviously the different things you read and, um, you know, different, different sites and things like that. will will probably come up with a different answer when you're talking about guys that, that are already committed, but, um, yeah, I mean, just taking that for what it's worth, obviously, you know, when you talk about the linebacker position and you hit on this a little bit, Vaughn, um, you know, with Michigan, someone needing someone to pair up with Bridgman and, uh, you know, with Bridgman, we talk a lot about his versatility and, um, you know, I think Osbury is, is very similar in that type of way. Um, you know, just his athleticism and ability to, you know, to get to the ball and, and work sideline to sideline and and make a lot of plays for you on the defense, um, you know, it would bode well uh, for Michigan in this class, but um, yeah, just another guy that, that obviously it's, uh, you know, if he gets a visit down the road, then yeah, it's going to be telling, and, um, you know, if, if Michigan can can kind of get in the mix there uh, with Osbury. But but yeah, I mean, we'll see. But like I said, with, with all these guys, it's kind of a guessing game right now. And I think that's the that's the biggest thing, um, you know, with this bunch. But but obviously, you know, like like the rest of these these uh, these guys smart to smart to reach out to them, smart to keep a keep a gauge on them and and just see what happens down the road. Now, the last prospect that we're going to talk about, Seth, is at a position that, unlike the first two for Notre Dame commits, is not at a position of need for Michigan in this class because Mike Elston has done a killer job on the recruiting trail. But we're still going to talk about this guy anyway because he kind of has some interesting, unique significance here. This is four-star defensive lineman Devin Houston. And the reason I bring up his uniqueness here is because he is the brother of former Michigan Wolverines basketball player, Caleb Houston. Uh, Devin is no slouch as an athlete either, as his brother is. Devin is 6'5", 270, and he is number 221 overall on the composite, the number 35 defensive lineman 
in the class. He's been committed to Notre Dame the longest of the three that we've talked about tonight. He committed to them back in May, so he's been committed to them uh, for quite a while. But Mike Elston and the Wolverines were recruiting him pretty hard before he made that decision to commit to Notre Dame. So I would not be surprised if they reached out to him either. Now, like I said, Seth, defensive line isn't as big of a need for Michigan in this class uh, as much as it is for offensive line or linebacker, for example. They already have Eno Etta, Collins Achiampong, Brooks Bear, and Americ Kumba all committed at the defensive line position. But how could you not at least touch base with a guy like Houston who has family ties to the program or to the university, I should say, and just see where his head's at following this really bad start to Notre Dame season. I think he's a a talent worth reaching out to, not only just because he's very good on the football field, but because you kind of have a leg up in the other competition uh, with Caleb Houston being his brother. I think you, you know, the obvious, the obvious connection there is, is Houston and, you know, Caleb Houston, the basketball program and, and what he was able to do for a year at Michigan, um, you know, it's just, just an obvious thing to, to reach out to him in this type of situation. I think the interesting thing with, with Houston here is, you know, Elston's obviously done a great job. And if you're looking at any, you know, position or, or any player that, that might be able to flip and, you know, and you look at one guy in the Michigan coaching staff, it, it might be Mike Elston, you know, just in terms of uh, being able to pull that off or get that done, even though, even though they've been pretty successful with a position, uh, you know, in this class and Elston's just done, I think a phenomenal job um, since he's, he's come in the staff. So, but the interesting thing with Houston, you know, being an interior lineman and um, you know, I know Michigan's had a, you know, a ton of success recruiting, you know, edge, edge rushers and, um, and things like that. But um, being an interior lineman and, and, you know, having some weight in the middle to, you know, be able to stop, help stop the run and, and do those different types of things gives a, gives Michigan a little different dynamic um, along the defensive line in this class as well. And would give them a little, um, you know, change up in that regard. So, so yeah, I, I think you look at this, you know, at this recruitment and, and definitely give him a call and, and reach out to see where he's at and 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 just see what happens uh, with his situation. Yeah, man, I agree. I mean, I I just really can't imagine them not at least touching base with the guy and just seeing, hey, uh, have have you seen Notre Dame recently? They haven't been playing that good. You know, your your brother he played basketball for us and he he led us in scoring last year and he loves Ann Arbor. Well, why not give us another look at the very least, just gauge the interest. And, you know, like with all these guys, and I'm sure that there will be other guys that they reach out to that we have not talked about and will not talk about tonight on this podcast, but they got to at least try because you would imagine that the Notre Dames, the Michigan States, the Ohio States of the world would probably do the exact same thing if this were happening to Michigan and Jim Harbaugh, I can't imagine that they wouldn't, you know, with, with all the recruiting battles that Michigan had won over those schools in this recruiting cycle, you know, Etta was once considering Michigan state. So if this happened with Jim Harbaugh, I can't imagine Mel Tucker would not pick up the phone, dial the kid and say, Hey, uh, do you have any interest in taking a visit to East Lansing uh, this weekend? Uh, Collins Achimpong was a very highly regarded kid. Uh, highly recruited Miami, LSU, Michigan, lots of other 
the West Coast schools, I'm sure he would be, his phone would be blowing up if something happened with uh, a Jim Harbaugh. I, I can really only imagine a couple kids in Michigan's current class that would probably stick around uh, if this happened to Jim Harbaugh and they're all in-state kids. So it, you can imagine that Michigan's probably not the only school doing this to Notre Dame and to Nebraska, uh, as evidenced by Wisconsin reaching out to Hayden Moore uh, after Scott Frost got fired. So it, it just really, it, you can't fault the kids for looking around, but you also can't fault the football programs for also gauging the interest and potentially being the first to reach out um, to see where their heads are at following uh, a, a bad start or a coach getting fired or something along those lines. It's just, it would be kind of coaching malpractice for you to not do that. So uh, that's just my thoughts on that topic. Seth, do you have any other final thoughts or opinions on uh, this or anything else? I mean, I think you, you pretty much hit on, hit on all of it there. I, I would, I'd make the point, you know, we, and obviously Notre Dame is, is in a different situation from, you know, the last cycle now, but uh, when Michigan was able to flip Amari and Walker um, from the Irish, you know, so, and obviously this is a much different situation, um, you know, than, than the last cycle, but it just, just to say, it's not, you know, it's not possible to to get one of these guys and, and to have them flip. And, and obviously Michigan, you know, with the way things have gone this recruiting cycle, um, getting a flip or two is really going to help their cause. And maybe that's, that's the path to the, I don't want to say turning this around because, you know, Michigan, obviously they've had a, several really good classes as of, as of late, but we know this year has been a little, a little bit slower when you consider, you know, they're coming off a big 10 championship. So, um, so yeah, I, I think there's several things to keep an eye on looking forward, but, you know, just, just to say that, um, yeah, I think it, it'd be smart to reach out to a lot of these guys and, and just, you know, and it'll be fun to gauge the situation going forward. Well, I'll take a step further than Amorian Walker, and I'll I'll raise you one Derek Moore, a, a four-star top 50 defensive lineman that Michigan was able to yeah. get to commit right on uh, signing day, I believe. Yeah. And if it weren't for Lincoln Riley going to USC, he would be at Oklahoma right now. So it, this right. can happen in, in any situation, to any program, to any recruit. So it is super important for the coaching staff to reach out. And perhaps maybe this is why Michigan is so good at closing uh, these deals and, and ending these recruiting cycles on such a high note. Uh, like you said, with Walker, Derek Moore, and uh, Alex Orgy being another one that they flipped right at signing day um, away from Virginia Tech. So uh, just so many <laughs> examples that we could go through, Daxton Hill being the obvious one, but um there wasn't any coaching turnover or anything crazy there, but just a flip nonetheless. But so many things we could talk about here as far as flips and engaging and, and the interest of other commits, uh, players recruited and committed elsewhere. But uh, that is another conversation for another day because that is all the time we have today on Future Brew. I really, really appreciate you listening and uh, always tuning in to these podcasts. You guys have been doing great. Uh, with the downloads and, and the subscriptions. So we really, really appreciate that support. Go follow me on Twitter, if you could, at Vaughn underscore Lozon. Seth, where are you at on Twitter, my friend? At Barry underscore Seth 14. And follow Mason Brew on Twitter while you're at it. Facebook, Instagram too, and uh, a YouTube channel. We've been posting some highlights from the Michigan games 
uh, the first couple games of the season, mainly the JJ stuff, because you guys really love that. So uh, go give uh, the YouTube channel a subscription. And uh, like I said, just subscribe uh, five stars on all of our podcasts. And we would really appreciate your continued support. You guys have been tremendous uh, throughout the off season and the first few weeks of the 2022 season. There's going to be a whole lot more recruiting coverage to come. So stick around for that because we're really excited to bring it all to you guys. For Seth Barry, I am Vaughn Lozon. We will talk to you guys next week. Thank you very much.